You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. It's Friday, so you know what that means. It's time for a new episode. This Sunday, we have the Royal Rumble. It's going to be a bit of a weird rumble because, you know, no fans and all that. COVID pandemic still going on. But nevertheless, it's the Royal Rumble time. So many wrestling fans' favorite pay-per-view. One of my favorite pay-per-views. It doesn't matter if a... Rumble could be impending doom or not. You always look forward to a Royal Rumble. It's always fun. You never know who's going to show up. You never know who's going to win. Well, past several years, we kind of know who's going to win. But this year, we really don't know who's going to win at least the men's Royal Rumble and a little bit of the women's neither. It's very, very unclear. And that can be good or bad, depending who you ask. Uh, We're also going to talk a little bit about AEW Dynamite from last night. Um... Now, I have just kind of finished, at the time of this recording, wrapping up with what I missed from AEW last night, and there's quite a few things we need to get into. First of all, we're just going to start with the biggest story going in with Dynamite right now, and that is what's going on with the Elite. Now, I haven't really gotten an opportunity to talk about this too much in the podcast, because within the last month, I was in the process of moving. I was in the process of moving out of my uh, out of my old place into a new place, and I really couldn't do too many episodes. Also being locked out of the profile and uh, getting the pro having uh, anchor accidentally deleting my profile, but getting us back up as quickly as possible. So thank him for that. However, a lot of things happened. and um, the main thing is is that Kenny Omega is the AEW world champion. He turned heel. And he won the championship. But since then, we've had a partnership with Impact Wrestling and AEW. Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson are now on AEW television. They are the Impact Tag Team Champions, aligning themselves with Kenny, being the, in the elite now. And Don Callis appears to be sh- uh, putting a wedge in between the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And this week, you know, Gallows and Anderson, you know, you know what's great about those guys is that it, it you, you just kind of forget about their whole WWE career. You forget about everything they did. Well, mostly everything. It's as if they just went from Bullet Club New Japan to this. You know, they've already done so much to make us kind of forget about the god-awful booking that they did prior uh, for however long they were there for. But the main thing going on is, Cal- I think it could be Callus is trying to cause a wedge in between Kenny and the Bucks. Is Kenny in on it? Are the Good Brothers in on it? We don't know, but there's definitely some inner turmoil. There's definitely something going on that's trying to wedge away from uh, the Bucks and Kenny. Uh, you know, currently Kenny Omega is still feuding with John Moxley for the AW Championship. That's probably the championship match we're going to get at Revolution. And uh, next week, at the time of this recording, we're going to be getting uh, the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega versus. Pack, John Moxley, and Ray Phoenix in the main event of uh, Beach Bash. I'm really forgetting the name here, but that should be a really fun match. That that whole show looks really fun, really exciting, and I can't wait to watch it. 
Um, overall, where I th- the the match, the main event match that was Dark Order of Stu Grayson, Alex Reynolds, uh, John Silver, and Evil Uno versus the Young Bucks and Carl Anderson and Gall- uh, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows, Doc Gallows, sorry. And this was a fun match. It was a match where just about every single member of the Dark Order looked fantastic. Everybody, especially John Silver. Uh, and Stu Grayson, too. Stu Grayson looked incredible in this match. Um, everybody, quote-unquote, got their shit in, and they looked great doing it. Um, the Bucks were really healing it up in this match. I mean, they're, they're kind of tweeners in this whole thing, at least I think in this whole thing with the, this storyline. But they acted more like heels in this match. And you kind of you kind of want that, but I think eventually there's going to be something going on. And my my theories are this: it kind of involves Hangman Adam Page. So I think that the Bucks will get turned on, like Kenny will turn on them, or Gallows and Anderson will turn on them, effectively making them full blown baby faces again. And Hangman Adam Page recently just turned down an offer to join the Dark Order. I think this will lead to, in the future, when Hangman finally gets his championship match against Kenny Omega for the world title, where Hangman and, and, and uh, the Bucks may not f- be the elite, but they'll at least have an understanding and they'll be allies, so to speak. Um, because I feel like that's where this is going. The Bucks are going to get, you know, double-crossed, you know? You know, you know, throwing away uh, the Bucks for Gallows and Anderson. You know, it's, I don't know about shiny new toys, but like going to the other side of the pond here. Um, but with Hangman Adam Page, we saw that he had a match against Ryan Nemeth. If you didn't know, that's Dolph Ziggler's actual brother. Um, Matt Hardy was scouting the match, and apparently, not apparently, but. After the match, Matt kind of just went in and just kind of gave him uh he he told him like, "Hey, listen, Matt. I mean, listen, Hangman. I know you're not in a good place right now. I was with you in the stadium stampede and and we fought together against the inner circle. And I can tell you're not happy. You're not doing well. I know you're 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 changing not too far in a small little room across from catering. Well, you know what? Hey, Adam, I've got plenty of space in my in my dressing room. You're more than welcome to change there. You're more than welcome to get ready there. I'm, I'm no strings attached. I'm just genuinely concerned about you. Now, recently, the prior week to AEW Dynamite, we saw a Private Party turn heel and attack Top Flight and uh, Matt Seidel. Matt Hardy has already kind of been acting like a heel lately on AEW, and it's no secret that he wants something from Hangman Adam Page. He wants something. There's an ulterior motive from Hangman Adam, uh, from Matt Hardy to Hangman Adam Page. A while ago, I on Twitter I put out a tweet saying that, calling it right now, uh, Dark Order is only using Hangman Adam Page to get uh, to have Brody Lee versus Hangman when he comes back for hopefully Revolution. Unfortunately, we all know that it didn't happen because of the untimely passing of Brody Lee. But now, it seems that Matt Hardy is probably going to be that replacement opponent. Now, Matt Hardy can still go. We've seen him go in the ring. We've seen him have great matches over the past few years. And I think we're probably going to get Hangman Adam Page versus Matt Hardy. Um, This whole story with Hangman kind of trying to find himself is really, really intriguing and interesting. 
You know, he got fooled by FTR. He lost his best friends. He lost, uh, you know, his time of being a tag team, cha- the tag team champion. You know, he his friendship with Kenny, if you know, was kind of effectively done. And you know, the the first group that kind of welcomes him in open arms really is the Dark Order, and he's like, I did the group thing, and I I just can't do it. And then Stu Grayson, after that whole thing, when John Silver is asking him to, will you join the Dark Order in a proposing type of way, with you know, being on one knee. Uh, I believe Grayson had a had a bottle of whiskey, and then Hangman took it and started drinking it. So this whole downward spiral of Hangman Adam Page will eventually, in my mind, end when he wakes up one day and realizes, "What am I doing? I'm the best here. I got my opportunity to be AEW World Champion, and I've messed it up." I'm not going to mess it up this time. When that eventual feud with Kenny happens. And I assume they're going to want to try and drag it out as much as they can for fans to be in attendance. I mean, I had gotten the update a few weeks ago or so that, um, or that we all got the update, you know, that September 15th is the new rescheduled show for the AEW Dynamite show that myself, Sean McChesney, you know, my uh, occasional co-host of this show, Nate, who's a former uh, guest of this podcast, and our buddy Stiggy, we were all supposed to go to that show back in March of, you know, almost a year ago at this point, and that got rescheduled in July, and then this February, and then, you know, we all know what the real world and the bullshit that's being caused right now, but September 15th is now the new date, and hopefully things can return to somewhat back to normal by that time, because I've been wanting to go to AEW forever. It's, It's the most anticipated thing that I was looking forward to at the time, but... You know, it is what it is. Just we have to do our best. But moving on to a more of what happened on Dynamite last night instead of my rambling. A match that's been confirmed for AEW Revolution, I believe it's on March 5th, is that it's going to be Sting and Darby Allen, TN, the, Darby Allen, the TNT champion, versus Team Taz consisting of Brian Cage and pretty Ricky Starks. Uh, it's a tag team uh, street fight. There was a uh, video segment where it looked like Darby and Sting were in a uh, back alley. You know, he uh, Sting said, you know, kind of hurt our feelings. He called us hoodlums. Like, Darby, you know, he, he is kind of a hoodlum. And Darby says, you know, in the streets, you got to survive. You're no more of a hoodlum than I am. And then he threw his skateboard in the window there. Then Sting decided to smash a couple windows with his baseball bat. He's like, you know what? We are hoodlums. And that little stare down we saw with Darby and Sting, it was a little intense. And it makes me see that this has got to be building to something bigger. We've got to be building to Sting and Darby Allen in a match. Whether it's for the TNT title or not. And honestly, it doesn't need the TNT title. I think Darby should probably drop that to maybe Ricky Starks or somebody on Team Taz and then maybe move on to a, an actual match with Sting. Um, I was speculating that may whether or not this match is going to be for uh, a regular tag, uh, tag not ta- regular tag team match, but an actual street fight with some bells and whistles in there or having it be cinematic. Considering, you know, Sting is in his 60s and he did suffer from spinal stenosis, which, you know, caused him to retire which also caused Edge to retire, but 
he was able to return as we saw last year. Um, so it's possible that they're going to try and bring Sting in there. Because my thing was, when I first saw Sting, you know, being in AEW, and I don't even think I've talked about Sting being in AEW on this podcast since it's happened. Um, but the fa- I don't think they would have brought him in if they didn't think, and if they mean AEW, and if Sting didn't think that there was a chance for him to wrestle. Because why wouldn't you bring Sting in to wrestle? WWE brings all the uh, you know a bunch of old time guys to come in and wrestle. I mean, Goldberg's fighting Drew for the title this weekend, and I'll get to that later. But why, why, why wouldn't you? If Sting thinks he can do it, and if he can get medically cleared, which he has to be at some point, you know, take bumps and and certainly must be taking bumps in this match, then why wouldn't you utilize Sting? He said Sting recently said I think on the AW Restricted Podcast that. He start. He wants to end his career where his career blew up, and that's on TNT. And you bet your ass they're going to be waiting until fans can fully have a full capacity crowd, so they can have give Sting a proper send off, rather than his abysmal WWE run, which was no fault of his own. It was the booking of WWE. I don't know how you can. I don't know how you can have him come in, lose to Triple H. Have him do a tag match with John Cena randomly on a Monday Night Raw. Then have that title match. with It's, it's just messed up. And he deserves uh, better. He just deserves better. He, he's an absolute le- legend. And was like the biggest babyface in WCW history. In, in wrestling, pro wrestling history at one point. He was the biggest babyface in the world. But I'm looking forward to the match. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do more with Sting. Um, something I'm not looking forward to, um, this whole thing with Cody Rhodes and Shaq, um, I've been very skeptical about it since the, since they kind of started getting into this. I'm hoping that this can be like a really surprising celebrity match, kind of like what they did with, um, I guess similar to Ronda and Kurt and Triple H and Stephanie, but you know, Ronda could actually work considering he's she's sorry she is a former you know MMA athlete uh, UFC champion that they can actually do something there I'm hoping it's for one of those special sports entertainment esque type of matches but I have my doubts I don't know I mean I don't know maybe Shaq he's been around wrestling enough that it could be decent but we'll just have to wait and see but uh, so far I'm not really looking forward to this match you know, it's supposed to be it was supposed to be Cody and Brandy versus Jade Cargill and Shaq. But Brandy, you know, now being pregnant, they've had to replace her with uh, Red Velvet. Uh, what I thought was funny is that Red Velvet at the end of her promo says that, you know, she's going to stir her stir can uh, Jade Cargill's ass up, uh, bitch ass up. And what's funny is that J.R. Uh, goes, shit, bitch ass means she's serious. <laughs> I just laughed. I could not help but laugh. That was so fucking funny. Oh, man. The other thing that happened is that with the story with the inner circle, Chris Jericho and MJF had a tag match against the uh, Varsity Blondes and Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Garrison. Now, the week prior, uh, Chris Jericho kind of botched a lion salt, but just for good measure, he had a picture-perfect lion salt this week on Dynamite, and it was absolutely beautiful. 
Um, the whole inner circle story, because later on you saw MJF talking to Sammy Guevara, and Sammy Guevara was not having any of MJF's shit. Um, he said, you know, you fooled everybody in the inner circle, but you're not fooling me. I know what you're doing. And he's saying, you know, and MJF's like, like, look, listen, listen, Sammy, buddy, I'm sorry. You know, look, I docked Wardlow's pay. He's not getting anything this week. He's the worst employee ever. And he did not, I did not tell him to get involved on my behalf in the match. And then Sammy's not having it. He doesn't believe a word MJF is saying. And he's telling him, he's like, I see right through you, Max. I see right through you. I know exactly what you're trying to do. And I'm done. And MJF goes, you really want to play like that? Sammy goes, I'm not playing. And then Matt, and then MJF just kind of storms off. Where this whole thing is going is for sure MJF is going to try to weasel his way in as the leader of the inner circle. Because he's gained the trust of Chris Jericho. He's gained the trust of Santana and Ortiz and Jake Hager. The only person he just can't seem to get trust from is Sammy Guevara. Sammy's been skeptical of MJF joining the inner circle from the very beginning. And what I see happening is that Sammy may get kicked out from the inner circle and go off on a babyface turn, and then we get a little feud between MJF and Sammy Guevara. Then, I mean, then you can, you know, build that up and then eventually have MJF take over from... Uh, Right from Chris Jericho. Because during that triple threat tag match, MJF said, you know, guys, if this match, if I was the leader, this match wouldn't be going on. You guys are the rightful tag team of the inner circle, talking to Santana and Ortiz. He's already planting the seeds, saying if, if, I would, if this was my group, if I was the leader, this is what I would do. Trying to put dissension in and doubt in the other members that maybe Chris Jericho isn't the right person for the job. Maybe it's Max. Maybe it's MJF. Maybe he should be the leader. Putting little, just making them think that. And that's exactly what MJF is trying to do. Because I believe it was after his match with John Moxley or before that he said he needs a group. He needs a group of his own. And we all speculated, well, who could be part of an MJF faction when we never even thought to realize why doesn't he just join the biggest heel faction in the entire show and the entire company? And that being the inner circle. It fits and it makes sense. I think eventually MJF will become the leader of the inner circle. That's where this is leading. And they'll kind of probably maybe kick Jericho out evolution, Batista, uh, Randy Orton style or something. Who knows? Um, or save that for Sammy. I don't know. But definitely... One way or another, however long it's going to take, MJF will become the leader of the inner circle. And that's how it's going to be. It makes sense, doesn't it? It's good that, as wrestling fans, we want our stories to make sense. And that's what I love about AEW. Things just fucking make sense, man. They just make sense, you know? Anyway, enough of my rambling. Another thing I really want to highlight real quickly before we move on to the rest of, uh, of the podcast here is that Jungle Boy is a fucking star. Jungle Boy had a match with Dax Hardwood this Wednesday on AEW, and it was a fantastic match. A fantastic match. I've often said about 
the future of AEW is very bright when it's young talent. I've said that I think Darby Allen can be the top baby face of the company. I've said that Sammy Guevara can be the top baby face. I've said MJF can be the top heel for years and years to come. Jungle Boy is right up there. Jungle Boy is right up there as the potential top baby face of AEW. And Chris Jericho has said before on record that, you know, his daughters don't give a shit about wrestling. But they love Jungle Boy. They love Jungle Boy because, you know, he's a good-looking young kid. His daughters are teenagers, so they're going to naturally have a crush on him. And that's something that AEW realizes. Young talent. You know, push your young talent. Put them in a prominent position. Make them look good and build them up for years to come. That's what pro wrestling is. You take your young prospects, you build them up properly, and you put them in the ring against guys who are experienced. Guys like Dax Hardwood and Cash Wheeler. Guys like Chris Jericho. You know, other guys like John Moxley. I don't think Jungle Boys face John Moxley, but you get my point. Seasoned veteran guys who have been around in the business and you help hone, groom, and grow these uh, these young talents. And this match was incredible between Dax and uh, and Jungle Boy. Which you also got a cameo from former two-time guest of the podcast, Man of Steel, Mike Verna. Shout out to you, buddy. I saw you on AEW this week. Mike's been killing it on AEW Dark lately. You know, he just had a, recently had a match with Santana and or, against Santana and Ortiz. His first debut match against Pete, uh, Pretty Peter Avalon, having a six-man against the Gun Club. But the one I was really looking forward to, and I actually texted him about this. I'm like, hey, man, this is really awesome. Looking forward to it. Was his match against Ricky Starks. It was just a bit of a taste of what I think those two guys could really do. But I'm really happy for Mike. I'm really glad to see him killing it on AEW Dark. Dude works hard, and he's getting, and he's getting what he deserves. Shout out to you, buddy. Proud of you. Anyway, moving on. I think the future of AEW looks really, really bright. This match with Jungle Boy and Dax Hardwood, it goes to show that they care. And Jungle Boy is a top guy to is is a guy that you want to keep your eye on, and I believe can be the top babyface in the company one day. The match was fun. I love the aspect of. Luchasaurus, Tully Blanchard, and Cash Wheeler being handcuffed all together so nobody interferes at all. And then the beat down after the match. It's really great too because Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Marco Stunt, working with FTR really helps them, only with Jungle Boy in this particular instance, in the singles aspect, but also helping them as a tag team and learning them how to grow because you arguably FTR is the best tag team in the world. To me, I've said, to me it's the Young Bucks, but right up there is FTR. They're for sure the best heel tag team in the world. So, I'm really liking where this feud is going. So, speaking of tag teams, we talked about that match earlier between the Young Bucks, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, and the Dark Order with John Silver, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, and Alex Reynolds. So, we got a promo before with Gallows and Anderson. Gallows being full gallows and hanging the Impact tag title between his pants like it's just his schlong. <laughs> but there's an interesting fact that there's going to be a tag team battle royal next week. 
where the Young Bucks are going to be in that Battle Royal, and the winners of that Battle Royal will earn an AEW Tag Team title shot. If you're unaware, you might be asking yourself, well, if the winners are getting an AEW Tag Team title shot, why are the Young Bucks in it? They're the AEW Tag Team Champions. Well, the answer to your question is, if the Young Bucks win, they get to choose who their opponents are. After the match, the Young Bucks told everybody that. To all the viewers watching at home. And them saying we get to choose whoever we want, they point at Gallows and Anderson, alluding, hey, if we win, we'll give you guys a shot. You know, because they're all friends and they're all pals and whatever. And regardless, that's a match fans want to see. Afterwards, Ray Phoenix came out, tried to beat up on, on the Good Brothers and, and, uh, and the Young Bucks. Phoenix was a bit outnumbered, but then here comes John Moxley for the Cavalry. And quite possibly might be the greatest sell of a paradigm shift when Kenny came out and tried to help. Just when Moxley hits his head, Kenny's head down to the mat, Kenny's just like stay, standing there for like a minute and then just kind of like the rest of his body just falls backwards. It was so great. And I'm glad that this feud is still going strong. I think Kenny and Moxley can have a great rubber match. I'm looking forward to that, which eventually you got to expect it's going to be a revolution. Moxley and Omega-3. Where it happens from there, I don't know. But I'm looking forward to this. AEW, just, they just put on the best weekly television. Every single week, I look forward to Wednesdays to watch AEW. Every single week, I'm like, oh, what's going to happen next? You know, What's going on with the Inner Circle? What's going on with Moxley? What's going on with the Elite? What's going on with Hangman Adam Page with the Dark Order? You know, there's so much going on, and just just about everybody who's on TV feels important. You know, it's not like a thing of like you know, like oh, the the, the roster's so big, and it's just, you know, you know, not everybody can get screen time, and that's true. Um, but the roster, everybody feels important when they're on TV. It, it it doesn't matter. Everybody feels important, and that's how wrestling should be. You take your guys you want to push. You take your top guys, work them with the guys you want to be top guys someday, and just groom them and push them. And then let them do the rest because they're talented enough. I mean, it's it worked in the past. It's working right now. Just let it be. Let it be, man. Anyway, I'm looking forward to uh, the next week's AEW Dynamite show. Well, I think it's called uh, Beach Bash. Bash the Beach. I'm really, really cannot remember right now what the name of the next week's show is. But it's a bit of a, a mini pay-per-view, if you will. With They've done this before with uh, with Fighter Fest and and all that and all that stuff. And the one-year anniversary show of Dynamite. But moving on, we're going to talk about the Royal Rumble here. We're going to talk a little bit about the build of the Royal Rumble. We're going to talk about my thoughts going into the Rumble. And then we'll give into get into the... The predictions of the Royal Rumble. So, this Sunday is the Royal Rumble. We got a lot going on. We got a lot of potential matches that could happen leading up to the road to WrestleMania. This is the start. And WWE confirmed that WrestleMania 37 will be a two-night event happening from Raymond James Stadium. And there will be fans in attendance. Now, it's a limited capacity, but there will be fans in attendance. There have not been any information as far as the tickets go, but you got to bet that 
WWE, they, they've wanted fans in attendance. They've wanted this for a long time. They also announced where WrestleMania 37 will be. Sorry, WrestleMania 38 in Dallas, Texas, in AT&T Stadium, and where WrestleMania 39 will be, and that will be in Hollywood, uh, Hollywood for you know, Hollywood, California. Excuse me. Um, and originally, everyone kind of wanted uh, The Rock and Roman Reigns to be to uh, to have this big build up to where Rock drops the title to Rock or or whoever. For this head of the table thing, but it made the most sense to have the match with WrestleMania Hollywood, considering you know The Rock's the biggest Hollywood star in the world. Um, I guess they're gonna wait till WrestleMania 39. At that point, The Rock will be 50 years old, so I'm sure he'll still want to do it. But let's see. I mean, me personally, I don't think this match in particular with Roman and The Rock it doesn't need the title. It for sure does not need the. Uh, the Universal Championship because it's a story that can be told without the Universal Championship. And I'll still look forward to the match, regardless of when it happens. Just, you know, when Rocket still move and, you know, you don't he doesn't get hurt. Hopefully he can stay healthy and stay and stay safe. You know, because he got hurt in the fir- in the first one and I believe WrestleMania twenty eight and he he fucked up his peck and his bicep I, I can't remember the exact injury, but he fucked up up, he got fucked up in the beginning of that match with Cena, and what's crazy is that he still worked his ass off in that match, but he got hurt. That's what I just worry about. I hope Rock can still stay healthy and that he'll be okay, and that it'll still be a great match, which it will. What am I worrying about? The fuck am I worrying about anyway? I'm rambling on. Um, the build to the Royal Rumble has been a bit of a strange one. So, I think it's it's no secret. That if you are a listener of this podcast, of how much I love Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre is probably my favorite wrestler in the WWE at the moment. Him and Roman Reigns with what they're doing. Uh, I've just always been a big fan of Drew for a long, 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 long time. Even back in the dark days of, of like 3MB, I always said, Drew is great, and he should be doing so much more than this. He should be doing so much more than than this comedy uh, stable. Uh, you know, fast forward all these years later, and then Royal Rumble last year, he wins. He wins it, and he goes on to beat Brock Lesnar in the main event at WrestleMania to win the championship. That's back when, like you know, COVID was like at. You know, no one knew what the fuck was going on, so they had to tape Mania, and, and unfortunately he won the, the the title in front of nobody. But I think Drew's been doing a tremendous job as champion, and I was watching a Nine Pitches video where Matthew from Cultaholic slash Botchamania was saying he put up a pitch that Drew should go into WrestleMania, face uh, Kevin Nash and uh, Diesel, and make it a, you know, who was the who's the worst... Who is the actually? Who is the better lowest uh, drawing champion in WWE's history? Um, you know, that's definitely not Drew's fault. That is a thousand percent not Drew's fault. Because fucking COVID, man, it is COVID. However, with all that being said about Drew, how much I love him, how much I think I might be in love with him, I don't know. The fact that he is facing 
55, 56, 57, I don't know, 52, 53. Who cares? Bill Goldberg pisses me off. Because what does Bill Goldberg love to do? Bill Goldberg loves to come in for a championship match against the world title, against the world champion, someone who the fans love legitimately, whether they be heel or babyface, and take it from them. Kevin Owens, 2017. You might be thinking to yourself, well, you know that set up the match with Brock Lesnar who became, and he was Universal Champion then, and that match was fun. Yeah, where'd that lead us? Brock Harley showed up on TV for almost a fucking year. Last year, in Saudi Arabia, The Fiend, the best character, uh, original character in WWE. He was horror-esque. You know, so he's a scary character, but, you know, he changed people. You know, he changed people's characters. He changed Finn Balor. He changed Seth Rollins, just to name a few. And he was the most popular thing. And what did WWE do? Originally, they wanted to do The Fiend versus Roman at WrestleMania, where Roman would conquer The Fiend to beat the universe, win for the Universal Championship. Regardless, now, that's not necessarily something we wanted to see, but in retrospect, in hindsight, it was The Fiend wins the championship, holds it for a while, defends it against Roman Reigns, and then he, had, he was on a pretty dominant run. A fucking little spike in the ratings where Goldberg showed up on Via Satellite. They decided to do Goldberg versus The Fiend. And Goldberg won. Goldberg won the Universal Championship in Saudi Arabia. And now, this Sunday at the Royal Rumble, we are getting Drew McIntyre versus Bill Goldberg for the WWE Championship. I am saying this right now. I will be fucking done with the WWE if they drop if they have Drew drop the title to him. The only way this works is if Drew wins it back at Mania in front of fans. That's the only way it works. But you know what the smart way of this working? First of all, not booking the match. Because this is this has been built up by by Goldberg saying that Drew doesn't respect the legends. When he has said how much he respected the Legends on Legends Night and was doing Hulk Hogan's catchphrase. How, d- what? How, how does, how, where do you get that from, Bill? You gotta stop smashing your fucking head on the lockers because you don't make any sense. And it's, it's, it just, it makes me anxious. It makes me angry. It makes me worried. It just, it just doesn't make any sense to me why you would want to put the title on Goldberg. I understand WrestleMania's coming around. I understand part-time guys, you know, they draw, they draw in casual fans. But Goldberg's matches, ever since his time coming back from in like 2017, he's had a fair share of really bad matches. I mean, let me see if I can try to remember them. Okay, the one with Brock Lesnar at Survivor Series. Shocking. Awesome. A lot of fun. Um, the one he had with Kevin Owens. Meh. Bad. Not so great. The the one he had with Brock of WrestleMania 33. Fun. A lot of excuse me. A lot of fun. Five minutes car five minute car crash. Then what's the next one he had? I'm trying to remember, because I don't remember. 
I'm pretty sure it was Undertaker at the Saudi show. That was bad. That was really, really, really bad. He damn near broke Taker's neck. That would have been a dream match like 15, 20 years ago. Not in 2019, 2018, whenever the hell it happened. Then, you had the Fiend match. Where Goldberg tried to hit the jackhammer uh, jackhammer suplex, and all it was was a fucking suplex. It was just a suplex he beat the Fiend with, and he barely got him up. And now, we're having him face the, the guy who fans love, who legitimately have wanted to see be the top of the mountain as the top babyface, and he could potentially win that title. This is how the match should go. And this is how the match better go. The bell rings. Drew hits him with a Claymore kick. One, two, three. Drew McIntyre, still your WWE champion. It better be like that. It better be like that. And I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do if it's not. Moving on, I guess. The big things going into the Rumble is that... What's Charlotte Flair going to do? What's uh, who, what's going to be the Raw Women's Championship match? And a lot of people have speculated maybe it's going to be Bliss versus Charlotte. Doesn't really look like it's going to be like that with Bliss's new Fiend-esque character. Um, maybe it's going to be Asuka versus Charlotte. And with that, Asuka, you know, she just... Uh, she's. Uh, I feel bad for Asuka because she's kind of been wasted. Really, really wasted. I mean, her and Charlotte are the tag team champions, and they've teamed only a handful of times, and it doesn't even seem like they have each other's backs. I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm afraid they're gonna build to a Charlotte match at WrestleMania, where Charlotte wins the championship. Charlotte, first of all, Charlotte doesn't need a moment at WrestleMania where she wins the championship. She's done it before. She's she did it at Mania 32. She did it retaining the title at 34. And she's literally done everything. Charlotte is already the great... Charlotte Flair is already the greatest female pro wrestler of all time. There is no disputing that. She is the greatest female wrestler of all time. And I think she's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But she's done everything. She's a multiple-time SmackDown and Raw Women's Champion. The the last Divas Champion. A two-time NXT Women's Champion. She was in the first Women's Royal Rumble. The first main event of WrestleMania uh, that women were involved. Because because it's Charlotte, she had to get involved when it should have been Lynch and Rousey. But what I think should happen is I think we should be seeing Charlotte beat Oscar for the Raw Women's Championship. And I think we should be seeing Rhea Ripley face Charlotte and get her revenge. Rhea Ripley should be the one to face Charlotte at WrestleMania. Get her revenge and build her back up because she's kind of just meddling about in NXT not doing much of anything. She's done everything she can. Bring her up. It's time. Have her face Charlotte. Have her face Charlotte. Have her beat Charlotte. And get her win back. Moving on. I think we should just dive into the Royal Rumble Rumble predictions. Actually, 
before we get into that, I put out a couple polls recently as to who you think is going to win the men's and the women's Royal Rumble matches. I put up a few polls on Twitter, at TNAWP. First, majority of you said for the first poll I put out two days ago, what did you think of last night's Raw at the time of the recording? At the time of the tweet, rather. Uh, 50%, 57% of you said great. 0% good. 29% said bad. 14% said awful. The next poll I have, who will, you, who will win the women's Royal Rumble match this Sunday? I had uh, Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, and Charlotte Flair. 50-50 split between Rhea and Bianca. Nobody thinks Charlotte will win, at least according to this poll. And apparently I spelled Rhea Ripley's name wrong, and my good buddy Nate Almeida, Almeida, uh, he corrected me, corrected me with the with the proper spelling of Rhea Ripley's name, and I just sent a gif of Homer Simpson going, don't, 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 don't. Next I had, who will win the men's Royal Rumble match? Choices I gave were Biggie, Daniel Bryan, Keith Lee, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Forty, It's a 44% tie between Biggie and Daniel Bryan. 0% for Keith Lee. 12% for Shinsuke Nakamura. And finally, I had, what's the best men's Royal Rumble match? Which this will, this is still lasting until Sunday, so you can go ahead and vote at TNAWP to see which which of these these next two polls were your favorites. Uh, what's the best men's Royal Rumble match? 2020, 2018, 2001, 1992. It's a three-way tie between 2020, 2018, and 2001. And then which is the best women's Royal Rumble match? Uh, 40% of you said 2018. 20% t- said 2019. 40% said 2020. What? I mean, to each his own, but the women's Royal Rumble match last year, I don't think was as good as the first or the second. In my opinion, the second Women's Royal Rumble is the best. That's my humble opinion, that that is the best. Uh, I mean, it. Becky Lynch was the hottest star at the time, and we. she said, I had predicted her to win when Sean and I were doing predictions. She wasn't even advertised for the match, and I predicted her to win because it had to be Becky. There was nobody else who made more sense than Becky Lynch. We wanted it. And was one of the few times where said where WWE said, "Yeah, all right, let's give it to him," and she won. And my personal best Royal Rumble, ma- Royal Rumble match to me is last year, considering you know building up Brock to be a total beast, Drew eliminating him, and then Edge coming back, and my one of my, one of my favorite moments ever in wrestling, and Drew winning the champion, well, winning the, the Royal Rumble. But. As far as who I think is going to win this Sunday, let's get into that right now. This Sunday is the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. And the matches on the card we have are the Women's Royal Rumble, the Men's Royal Rumble, Drew McIntyre versus Goldberg, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus Asuka and Charlotte Flair for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships, and... Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship. Let's start with that one. A real easy one. Who am I going with this one? Um, I'm going to have to go with Roman Reigns. Um, there's, I love Kevin Owens. I love him. Nice guy. Met him once. Super cool. 
Um, but it's not going to happen. Uh, Roman is going to go into Mania as champion. Will he drop the title by then? I don't know, but it's Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns has got to retain the championship here. Next, let's go with uh, Charlotte Flair and Asuka versus Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler for the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. Um, I'm just going to go with Nia and Shayna, and that's about it. I don't think WWE really care about this match at all. Um... It, it doesn't really matter who wins to me because WWE aren't even sure as to what they're doing with this story. You know, Asuka is messing around with, with Alexa Bliss and then Charlotte's kind of feuding with Lacey Evans because her new gimmick is now that she's <laughs> having sex with Ric Flair. I, I kid, I kid, hopefully. I hope that's not what actually is happening anyway. Um, but it's definitely implied. Um, it's, I, I just think they're not really doing much of the tag titles at all. Just put them back on Baszler and Jackson. Just leave it be, I guess. Next up, um, let's go with the women's Royal Rumble. Now, I mentioned earlier who Charlotte's opponent should be. That being Rhea Ripley. How does she get that championship match? By winning the Royal Rumble. I believe that's where we get Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley for the Raw Women's Championship at WrestleMania this year. Charlotte, you drop the tag titles, back to Jackson Baszler. Charlotte goes off, maybe gets mad at Asuka, goes after the championship, drops it on a Raw or Fastlane or Elimination Chamber of all things, and then Rhea Ripley chooses Charlotte Flair as her opponent at WrestleMania, and Rhea Ripley wins the championship. That's how I was hoping I'm going to go, and that's how I'm hoping it should, and, and that's how it should go, honestly. Next up, Drew McIntyre versus Bill Goldberg for the WWE Championship. I'm going with my heart on this one because this is what should happen. Normally, when you do predictions, you should be about what you think is going to happen. I can't bring myself to say that Bill Goldberg would actually beat Drew. Knock on wood. But I'm going with Drew because Drew should go into W you should go into WrestleMania as WWE champion. And you and Bill Goldberg can fuck off and do whatever else. Just don't put him in any championship matches. Please just keep him away from Drew McIntyre. Keep him away from Drew McIntyre. Keep him away from Roman Reigns. Please just keep him away from the championship picture. And finally, the men's Royal Rumble match. What's great about this Royal Rumble match is that there's really no clear-cut winner. There really isn't any clear-cut winner. You know, there's a lot of contenders out there. Big E's been a contender for a while. Shinsuke Nakamura with his recent push and turning babyface again. Keith Lee could win the Rumble. He very well could win the Rumble. And maybe he should. Edge could win the Royal Rumble with that great promo he put out. Well, put out there, cut on Raw this past Monday. Saying, you know, when he had to retire... He lost the world championship. He never lost it, and he wants it back. But I think the person who's going to win the Rumble, his betting odds have gone up significantly recently, and I think because Roman Reigns hasn't really had a really top tier, well, not top tier, but hasn't had the biggest baby face on SmackDown to have him challenge him for the title, and that's Daniel Bryan. My heart, I really want Shinsuke. I really want Shinsuke to win here, but I think it's going to be Daniel Bryan. And how about it? Seven, eight years to you know later, 
way after the fact we wanted Brian to win the Rumble in 2014 and when we wanted to win him, have him win the Rumble in 2015. But, you know, and no fucking fans either. Great job, WWE. But I digress. I think it's going to be Daniel Bryan. I think Bryan will win and I think he will go on to face Reigns at WrestleMania. I don't know if Bryan will actually beat Roman, but that's where I see things going. I think Daniel Bryan will win the Royal Rumble, and I think he will go on to face Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Uh, real quickly, though, let's do a little speculation as to who the t- uh, the final four will be. For the Women's Rumble, I'm going to go with uh, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair, and... I'm going to say Io Shirai. Why not? I know she's the NXT Women's Champion, but have her go in there. I feel like we'll see some NXT uh, some NXT girls and guys in the men's and women's Rumble. But, okay, that's my final four for the, for the, Royal, for the Royal Rumble. Io Shirai, Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, and Bianca Belair. For the men's, I'm going to go with Daniel Bryan, obviously, because he's my pick. Shinsuke Nakamura. Edge and Big E. And I think that's how it's gonna, things are going to go down. The final two, I th- for the women, I think will probably be Charlotte and Rhea. And then for the final two for the men, I think will probably be Nakamura and Bryan. Because last thing I think we should do is really get, want us to get a match out of some certain people. We haven't really seen Bryan and Nakamura go at it one-on-one at least to my memory, to my knowledge. They probably could have, and I could be wrong. But we should te- tease us like they did, like like with like the Rumble in 2017. Uh, sorry, 20, uh, 2007 with Undertaker and, and uh, Shawn Michaels where they had a match within a match, and it was incredible, them being the final two at that Royal Rumble. Do that with Brian and Shinsuke this time around for this year's Royal Rumble. And if either one of them win, I'll be a very happy man. But anyway, that'll do it for this week of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm sorry I've been gone for a little while, but I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be talking about wrestling. I'm excited about the Royal Rumble. What are you looking for? Who do you think is going to win? Those polls on Twitter, at TNAWP, are still open. You can still vote for who you think is going to win the men's rumble, who you think is going to win the women's rumble, who you think, what you think your favorite women, what the best women's Royal Rumble or the best men's Royal Rumble is. Let me know. Follow us on TNEWP. You can follow me on Twitter at CJ underscore 1214. You can listen to us on all podcast forums. You can find Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Podbean, and wherever you can find your fabulous podcast apps Just download them on your phone. Listen to it every day. Thank you guys so much for listening. I've been CJ Palmasano, and we'll see you all next time.